I'm so frazzled from getting this episode going. I forgot the podcast we were doing. I mean, we have a lot of different um, projects out there. We have mm-hmm. Po Boys LLC, mm-hmm. Pedro Boys LLC. We have our fitness, which is under the Po Boys Network. Right. We have right. our tech department, which is, I guess, technically under the Po Boys Network. And then we have Pedro Boys. Right. And Tano Boys. Under Pedro Boys. Under Pedro Boys, of course. Under Pedro Boys, we have Mudhorn Rakers. Mudhorn Rakers. And this is really freaky. This is our first episode where we're face to face. um, Looking at each other. Looking at I'm, I'm trying not I'm trying not to look. You will not make eye contact with me. I'm like, just looking in one direction, looking in another direction. Yeah, I know it's I'm like, boy, there must be something really interesting going on in Pete's room. There is not. I'm in my childhood bedroom oh, as right. all so my my comment was already disproving it. And what's that? I was I was gonna say that my my comment was gonna be we talked that maybe um, over video we'd be less likely to talk over each other because we're usually oh, on the phone so we can't see each absolutely other. Not. That's absolutely not. Absolutely not. Window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything I, looking at each other is gonna enrage us <laughs> like bulls <laughs> looking at red blanket. <laughs> Oh man, you know, when we talk about Corona um, and all the different industries that are affected, you think, are they bullfighting? What's happening to those bulls? It's a little Uh, bull, you know? Let me tell you, look, it's not my hill to die on, but like, bullfighting is, they do some stuff to those bulls to get them all riled up. I listened to a Stuff You Should Know on bullfighting. It's a... Oh, they're, I think I listened to that same episode. They absolutely, they absolutely hate it. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the reek in Attack of the Clones. When they do get that reek so angry. Or, and I didn't, you, you read the comics. I, I, and I hate this. Stupid Zuck, uh, Mark Zuckerberg to people that know, um, don't really know him really well. Oh, I thought you were talking about Zuckus. Yeah, that dumb little Zuck. He, on my, on my Facebook timeline, I keep getting these like Star Wars things like, oh, here's what was people were trying to do beforehand. And they mm. showed one of a comic series where apparently Kylo kills a Zillow beast. Did you read yeah. that? I did. I actually talked about it on this podcast. Um, I didn't say that specifically. I just said that there was a recent issue of, of a comic that had a, a nod to Clone Wars that some folks might appreciate. Yeah, um, so was, spoiler spoiler yeah, out there spoiler for that. Ever. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> um, it, was, it was whatever. Something I realized really um, immediately through us doing this is we need to work on product placement. Okay, there needs to be like a Po' Boys um, poster right here. I need to be like more oh, positioned Zoom. up, you know, to kind of have Po' Boys yeah. on the screen. I can't. What's in my video? Um, yeah, I mean, right now I think my video is just an ad for books comic books what comic books on the shelves back there some of them looks star like, wars yeah it looks like you have dominion there oh and you know uh, i do you know yeah, i do josh is a big dominion guy and i'm always like hey josh let's I play some the most recent one yet let's play some sabak and he's like i already beat you i already beat you down and i'm like yeah i want a rematch it's canon <laughs> yeah, and then pete's like 
hey, why don't you come in and hang out with me and my debaters and play Bridges of Catan or whatever. What is it I, called? I don't remember that. You talked Settlers, about that. Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan. I do not remember that whole. Oh, man. Like, I mean, clearly yeah. it was an emotionally scarring of night for you. <laughs> But I don't like you, you talk about this multiple times of like playing some board game that I don't remember. And I assume that we did it, but um, mm-hmm. you're welcome. Yeah. And so I can't. OK, I was going to say I can't wait for us to do an episode because we're coming very close. We have four more episodes of Mudhorn Rakers um, where we're going to separate back after for- this. Six, seven, eight. This is episode five. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm going to have to plan out some <laughs> more stuff. Uh, Are you okay? Um, I already got a, I already got planned for, for at least a month of content. Oh, for a month? Okay. I was going to mm-hmm. say that we join an underground Degeric League and we just <laughs> k- kind of, you know, come in from that point where we get bankrolled mm-hmm. by Money Man Cody mm-hmm. and... We just kind of see what the underbelly of Star Wars is. Because there has to be. I mean, people, there's scumbags in every fan uh, service. So we kind of just infiltrate that. Um, Not Star Wars. Uh, I mean, there's Star no Wars. Scumbags there's scumbags in Star Wars fandom. No way. What are you talking about? No, there's definitely, there's definitely scumbags no. in Star Wars. Yeah. I've, <laughs> go, on, go on Twitter. All right. I'm not going to call people out because I don't remember them offhand, but um, yeah, <laughs> really, really messed up stuff. Yeah, you don't got to tell me, buddy. I've waited in line at Star Celebration. Speaking of, another week. Another. Of we, quarantine and another week of Star Celebration not being canceled. Let's recap. All right. I let's get recap. tickets to Star Wars Celebration in August. Um, so did then, I. You can say we. Okay. Ramstein announces that they are coming to a city near me that same weekend. So, I really want to see them Uh start celebrations that weekend. So I get tickets for a much further away city in a different state for the previous weekend. Then, Deftones announces that they are also coming to a city near me. But they are coming to a city near me the weekend I am now going out of town to see Ramstein. However, the night before then, they are also going to that other city in another state. And so now I'm going to that other city and that other state a week before celebration for the entire weekend to go to both of these concerts. Meanwhile, Tough Mudder is postponed from May. They move it to the weekend store celebration is. Then a show I'm going to, the Bats, great new zealand band they are playing show in april that gets postponed to the same day as the tub monitor which is now also the same weekend as the then razzline and deftones postpone those shows so now when they reschedule it i'll probably be able to go to the city and state that's close to me and Star Celebration, where are they and all this? Oh, it's going to happen. You know, you know, we're leaving. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and I'm so tired, Pete. To those people that are watching Poe Boys Live for the first time, um, one, why? And two, you might be thinking to yourself. Are you recording a video of this? It's also a video. We don't have to keep the video. Um, Great. <laughs> through Zoom, they also do a, a live video. You might be thinking to yourself, Poe Heads, is he so That's white because he's so upset at what's happening to Josh? And the answer is yes. My pale complexion is due to that because of how outraged I am. Um, I have just been so furious. Like, Ram's head, ah, oh, Deftones, ah, oh, come on. Ram's, Ramstein, ah, oh, come on. It's just like, let's, what's going on? Celebration? Like, get your stuff together. Is it reasonable that they're doing it? Absolutely not. Not. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> so we're on the same. We're on the same. We're on the same page. I'm there. not angry. I'm just incredulous. I am just. I mean, from a purely selfish s- standpoint. Okay. Um, we already have our tickets. So, like, right. 
it's gonna get Nobody when it gets have lodging or transportation. Um. Yeah. Okay. I mean, whatever. Drive. Wouldn't that be awesome if we drove to Star Celebration cross country, podcasted across the country, recorded the in the only, car? The only reason I would really enjoy that is because it would give us so much content. Oh my we, god! So much tent. We we wouldn't have to see each other for like a month and a half. Um. Hey, what are we doing this time? Oh, that's uh when we went to that Sunoco and. <laughs> Um, just bought all the Star Wars oh, stuff in the Sunoco and then d- did product reviews. I'm a Wawa boy. You're, you're tagging of plugging of Zoom, totally unauthorized, but plug for Wawa right here. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah, and we, we can have our social media team throw in a nice little um, like Wawa sign right here once we get... <laughs> um, the information out there and we kind of um you know dot our i's cross our t's in terms of that because we don't do stuff for free um unless it's for the no. fans well yeah hashtag 2020 for the fans yeah hashtag 2020 for the fans because a lot of people is a fan you know corporations are people i guess apparently technically according to supreme court you know until that gets overturned right yeah um and let's talk about that i watched the episode of clone wars where they're trying to deregulate the banks <laughs> and it's george lucas's character baron papanoida his daughter uh, kidnapped by greedo i'm just like man george what are you what are you doing <laughs> it definitely has such a weird when you look at it from from a perspective of like who they're trying to villainize and then who they're mm-hmm. trying to prop up. Like when episode three happens and the banking clan and the techno union are techno the good, union. are the, are the good guys, good what? guys. Oh, um, you know, they had it right. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird. It's definitely weird. He definitely, he's, he's a union buster. I mean, say what you will about George Lucas. <laughs> Um, Big George, he is not a fan of set hours, safety standards, because that's he's pushing it to the next level. All right. And right. that's that's how you get innovation, all right? Not with this whole like, oh, okay, you get PTO if you get sick and stuff like that. Just like, what have you been doing for me lately? And give me those miniatures, okay? I want so many miniatures that I can zoom in and out. Hey, you know what? You only gave me a six-foot falcon. You know what I want? Now I want a three-foot falcon. I want a ten-foot falcon. Okay? Um, that's what I was oh, that's man. my takeaway from the I'm, practical. I'm lost in the dust here. <laughs> oh, all right. So we've transitioned to um episode five, practical. Yes. Um, this practical is our of Disney Gallery Mandalorian. Is that the name of it? Is it Disney Gallery Presents? Is it it's, I believe it's Disney Gallery. Um, I, I have no idea why I got out of my Wikipedia on this, but I did. Mm-hmm. And we all have our um, I also don't know if when you're recording and you switch screens, if it shows the recording. So I would well, really it like matter, it. Because we're not releasing a video. But if we do, it'll show. I did not that, consent to this. Uh-huh. And if we do. Oh it will show our listeners. So they'll, the listeners will get to see our scores and scores of listeners because that's what my page mm-hmm. was on, was our, and was if, our podcast. And if podcasting has taught us anything, it's that uh, if you have s- scores of listeners, you're, you're probably going to have triple that in viewers. Yes. Because most people get their podcasts through watching them. Yeah, I would say, I would say, I mean, we're, are we branching out into YouTube? Maybe. No. Not with this. Not yet. Family friendly podcast, Pete. Family friendly podcast. Oh, wow. That's, that's almost as bad as. My ace in the hole. That's almost as us getting demonetized where we're like, oh, look at here. Here's a plug. Do I have. Do I have permission to plug this? Do I have permission to plug it? No. So now, all right. So Josh has sufficiently 
um, ruined our ability to live stream. So we're now going to go face to face. Um, I would appreciate Josh, if we could just keep it, um, hashtag professional boys, hashtag polite boys. So mm-hmm. we're getting into episode five, practical. Practical. And um, the the way I looked at this episode, and granted, I only watched it once. I think it was like 30 minutes or something like that. Yeah. It was a long one. Um, <laughs> I, I, you're, I, you're tired just thinking about it, rubbing your eyes. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, um the whole new world seeing seeing each other on video here yeah seeing seeing the process of recording mm. um i looked at this as two chunks um the quill portion and then the um y- little yanni quill. portion mm-hmm. quill quill um quill um that's kind of how i viewed it and then yeah, those are the big ones. Those are those are the, those are definitely you know you invite somebody to the party and like okay like fifty people hundred people come and you're like okay Deb from accounting sure I mean she's fine um, you got to <laughs> invite people from the company but then uh oh Big George shows up you know that's a marquee person <laughs> all right um, other big names you know Pedro Oski whatever. Um, they show up like they enhance the quality of the party because it's not like you, when you go to a party, you're like, Oh, um, who's there? You don't list a hundred people. You list the big, big names. And for this one, it's Queel and Pete, Josh, Pete, Josh, big Aiden, George, Natalie, <laughs> man. It's been years since I've seen Hayden and Natalie. Um, I know, I know. And the, I mean, we had plans, but then quarantine and all. So yeah, and sometimes you know, it's just our our zooms our zooms just don't really um, match with the same time. And it's it's also because we're at different yeah. points in our lives too. Because we zoom into the night. Um, we do, we, we do. We have the Zoom parties or workout parties. And Natalie, she's got kids, mm-hmm. and Hayden. Yeah, and. Yeah, he they they both have kids. You know, they're both married. Um, and I, the other big thing about our relationship with Hayden and Natalie is it is very much a relationship built on athleticism. You know, we'll do uh-huh. doubles tennis with them. Doubles tennis. Um, you know, mini golf things like that. And mini so golf. It's, it's not just a matter of when we're all for free. It's like when sack we're all sack free. races where we you know sack races, three legged yeah. races, rope legged races. Shout out to my fans of Shining the Book. Uh, you know, wow, <laughs> that's a reference. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, hey, Poe heads around the world, have you read The Shining? Boy, do I have a reference for you. Hit him, Josh. <laughs> what's what's two percent of twelve listeners? Uh, so <laughs> I'm on my calculator. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Anyway, so we, you know, our relationship with Aiden and Natalie is, is, you know, it's, it's an athletic relationship and we do a lot of outdoor activities and stuff. So obviously right now that's just not on the cards. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully we'll uh, be able to get together with them again soon, you know, and I, I wish them well and I do miss them. But, uh, you know, life brings people in, in different trajectories, you know, and it's, you know, no hard feelings on anyone's account. It's just our lives have gone somewhere different. I mean, yeah, there was a time, you know, me, Pete, Hayden, and Natalie, we had an, a loft on the upper east side of Manhattan and we, you know, we're hanging out at coffee shops and have all kinds of fun telling each other That's about our up. auditions yeah. and how we're doing. And it was a great time in our lives, but that kind of, you know, it can't last forever. And we, we're always going to be very close and, you know, Pete and I are, are still see each other regularly and, uh, you know, started this huge international multi-billion dollar corporation. And, and you can say international ways, because you know. we have international listeners too. That's right. That's right. So practical. Practical. Now Pete, that's Pete. something, that's something that Josh and I have never been accused of is being practical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, people will say, you know, they'll make different suggestions for the pod and they'll say, uh-huh. you know, Hey, well, why, why don't you make you... it good? 
Why don't you bring in why don't this you use a microphone? Why don't you use some practical things to improve the quality? And we say, <laughs> kick rocks, punk. All right. So yeah, this kick is really, rocks. You know, this is, yeah. Go ahead. You want to be pr- practical? People don't have eight packs. Okay. If you want to be practical, fine. All right. Just be at level. Back. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. have fun with the median income, the median age range. Practical to land on the moon. Mm. Huh? Um, I mean, there is a reason that we haven't been back since then, but that's a great, that's also a great thing. So this is actually an issue that we're coming out of our comfort zones because we are not hashtag practical boys. No, um, no. We, and any great, entrepreneur, engineer, imagineer, they'll tell you Mm -hmm. practicals for suckers. All right. Yeah. Uh, Now we are of course talking about practical effects, but I just want to get that (laughs) out, out there in case our listeners are looking at this and they're like, since when did Josh and Pete become practical? Never. Yeah. And it's important to examine a word, every definition and look at it from all angles and make sure that everyone is on the same page when we're staring at this one same thing word practical uh pete do you have any memories from your childhood of watching movies with i mean and this could go for cgi and stuff as well but with with special effects and that kind of weird magical time between like a full adult understanding of how a movie is made and Um, you know an utter lack of comprehension that is your infancy where where you see movies and you sort of you know, kind of, sort of, that it's not real, but those are real people. But there's, you know, do, do you have any memories of interactions with practical effects in movies as a child that really stuck with you? Two or? memories. Two memories right off the oh, bat. Good. So, Great. Josh, we are people from the 90s, all right? We're not going to date ourselves. Maybe we were born in 99. Mm-hmm. We, maybe we were born in 90. We were born in 91. <laughs> 91, 92. We were both born on December 31st, 1999. What have you. And for, for us, you know, VHS um, cassettes, that was a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. You go to your blockbuster, you get a movie, but you owned, you own things. So when your question of like, did you believe practical effects? The two that come to mind are George of the jungle, um, starring Brendan Fraser where right. he has a best friend. Watch who is out a for gorilla. that tree. Watch out for that tree. Um, who he had, he had a best friend that was a gorilla. And mm-hmm. I legit thought that the gorillas, you know, could talk. So we would go to mm-hmm. a zoo and I'd be livid that we could not go up and talk to them. Now, <laughs> Harambe had not happened yet. So I'm not trying to be political I'm in any, any way, shape or form. Um, the other one would be Jumanji. I, I thought that stuff was real. So, like, when we would go to, like, mm-hmm. Toys R Us and we would at, be at the board game section, I'd be on the lookout, and I'd be like, we are not buying that game. Under no circumstances <laughs> are, we, are we getting that game. So, um, I distinctly remember, I'm going to say I was probably three or four. Okay. Uh, I got very into sharks and dinosaurs. Still am, but... Uh, somehow I found out about Jaws and Jurassic Park and these things and just pestering my parents to no end about letting me watch those movies. Mm-hmm. And they uh, finally relented and I got to watch Jaws. I can still remember sitting on the point of living room in Arizona watching Jaws for the first time. Um, probably way too young, but I remember being old enough to understand that this was not real and that there were actors really okay. playing roles in the movie. Uh-huh. But, you know, at the climax of the movie, Shark jumps on a boat and eats Robert Shaw's character. Bites Robert Shaw, Robert Shaw spits out blood, it's very gory, drags him down, mm-hmm. kills him. Right. I remember saying that Robert Shaw was an actor who played the role, but I kept being very perplexed because I was like, well, how is he going to get paid if he got killed? What are the logistics on that? Why would he, did they just pay him in advance and then he got killed? 
he was okay. Like he signed up to be murdered, murdered. by a shark for this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's wild. I just, it's like, I think it speaks to, uh, yeah, the, the power of those sorts of effects where like, even as my understanding of that stuff was, uh, developing, it was still almost involuntary, uh, a suspension of disbelief. Well, that's what our boy Rick was talking about. Um, didn't he say that about Empire Strikes Back or was it Jedi? Where he was like, I thought this was a real world. And as a kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, it didn't hit me that this was all fake. Um, yeah. Because every, everything that they're interacting with is real. Right. Because of those practical effects. And we, I think we, our generation is, is quick to perhaps some are known that CGI and, and green screen and things like this. But, you know, we're also an age group that encountered those things later in life after we understood how the sausage was, was, was made and what was going on. I can't help but wonder, you know, someone who is, you know, I was, you know, three or four and I saw Jaws and I'm wondering, you know, some kid who's three or four and you're seeing Phantom Menace, you know, and doesn't have totally their faculties, intellectual understanding of what's going on, you know, who's, I, you know, work would be like, oh, Jar Jar looks horrible. And this all looks so horrible. But I'll be interested to see, you know, as the years progress, uh, how, how kids that age felt and, and whether they had a similar um, feeling of, of reality to those CGI effects and stuff. And I can't, I, mean, I can't but wonder if they, they did. I'm curious you know, how I mean, it is. For us, we're older, but. I'm curious how it is going to be with um, Jar Jar because if you look back at it, um, and I'm actually thinking about doing, if quarantine continues, doing a, um, a, a weekend where I watch each trilogy each weekend. So not all I'm nine. The, wait. Each weekend? So like, each day of the weekend. So next weekend, I will watch one through three in one day. The weekend mm-hmm. after that, I'll watch four through six, and then seven okay. through eight. See, and you say you're not a practical boy. I had thought about doing that over the course of three days. Like watching the prequel trilogy one day, watching the original trilogy, and then watching the sequel trilogy. But if you do that, let me know. That could be something we could both do and, and talk about on the pod or something. Um, yeah, hashtag I famously, filler. Course, yeah, we're going to need it. Uh, I famously stopped my episode nine viewing, my weekly episode nine viewing. I, I missed a week. And so now I'm like less inclined than ever to watch that movie because now I'm like, what well, doesn't matter? You broke your streak. What's even the point? Don't watch it now. Who are you pretending? <laughs> Which I, I, I've, I've noticed that, Josh, because... I don't know if the listener has noticed, I've stopped giving my weekly update of reading the episode nine book. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because I haven't finished it. Really? Yeah, I read the chapter of um, Ray on um, Kiefer. Is that it? Kefber? Whatever, the Endor planet. The Endor, the oh, other Endor moon. Yeah, the ocean moon. Yeah. And um, they explain like, Oh, back in Endor, this wasn't. This was all water, but now because the Death Star um, crashed into it, it's changed the topography of the planet. Um, that doesn't add up. Okay. Well, it's the same. It's the same thing. Like um, Kylo in the first scene of the movie, he's on um, Mustafar, right. and they show and they show like you know in the book they explain that like life has started to grow back on Mustafar, which makes zero sense um well yeah and it's just you know if you've got a bowl full of water and then you drop a death star into it the water level doesn't go down yeah i don't know um but they're <laughs> uh they they just say like oh the topography's changed and i'm like okay i guess the topography's changed yeah. um and practical <laughs> We are not, which is why we're talking like this. I've made a point before about my complaining about the score for this series, and it oh, being I a actually, little over dramatic. I, I love the, the the beginning. Did you? Because I feel like they owe Fort Minor some royalties. 
How so? That was they, they just remember the name. They just played remember the name. Um, do you, eight percent Yoda, three percent puppet. Um, uh, it's very indicative of remember the name by Fort Minor is what came to mind. It's it's better than it's it was less over dramatic than some music they played previously. But I do feel like use Ludwig Gornson's score for Mandalorian. Like I feel like. It's a great score and it'd be appropriate. I don't know. Maybe there's a rights issue there or something. I'm um, curious when you're making Disney shows, if you get access to everything that they have and it doesn't right. cost you anything extra. Like, I'm curious how many musicians are owned by Disney. Like, they bought these songs so that they could put them in movies. Mm-hmm. I kind uh, of imagine there's some sort of, some sort of kickback to the original composer though even if disney owns it i had to feel like if ludwig Gordonson's score for, for mandalorian is used in something else he does get money from it yeah i mean I ha- we if if we get enough li- um listeners to email us and by that i'll say three One. um we'll do an episode on corporate um tactics and how to infiltrate and become sleeper cells in large corporations, mm-hmm. um, how to short stocks, how to do insider trading. Yes, um, they did read the big short. Yeah. And I, and uh, Wolf on wall street is how I learned about penny stocks. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you want to, you can um, shoot an email. So here's how I want to divide this episode. Um, we're going to do first you cowards. Um, yeah. And then we're going to get into Queel. Queel! Mm-hmm. And then we'll, the talk, we'll talk about little Yanni, and then mm-hmm. we'll talk about the Falcon. Okay. And that's, that's, I've now have my notes. As you can see, it's, it's very white. Mm. So the you cowards thing. This I'm is, not insane. <laughs> Sorry, oh, wow. It's just showing Pete my notes. Um, we had seen. Well, let's inter- talk about the you cow- the cowards thing. Yeah, you had been talking to me. About this that. is sort of a huge deal. Uh-huh. John Favreau and Dave Filoni had told this story as, as if it was their story. Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, we were shooting, and we were doing this, and you know, we were shooting with the baby Yoda puppet, and then we took the puppet away." And we were going to shoot a blank slate to insert the CGI baby Yoda. And Werner Herzog says, you're cowards, you're cowards. He said that to us. We come and find out in this episode. That's not John Favreau's story. That's Deborah Chow's story. Thank you very much. Yeah. What the heck? And it's one of those things where they're trying to, and I'm not going to say they, because Dave, he's a peach. He he doesn't have mm. a, a negative mm. bone in his body, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely somebody that a, a la Goonies, a la Sandlot, he'll watch something um, happen. And he watched John Favreau try to besmirch the good name of Deborah Chow because she's she's on the rise and he's on the decline, all right? She has her Obi-Wan show yep. now. Yup, yup. He's trying to just find any little way to take away her star because she did, you know, two of the better episodes. I mean, episode, she did episode three and then she did episode seven. I, yeah, I got to uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I would, I would, I would say not that this, not that this is a competition or, you know, whatever. I think, all the directors did a great job, but I do think she's the the shining star of um, of this season. I love both of her episodes, uh, and you know, like Richard Miyawa did a great job. Like I, I think episode two is incredible, but then the other episode he did was, you know, I enjoyed it okay. But that Prison Break episode, not um, not through any fault of his own, because that was John. Like John Favreau yeah. keeps doing this thing where he's like, I want to take other people's ideas and then shove it into star Wars. So mostly um, the boys ideas. Yeah. So that wasn't one of our best ideas. I mean, I think Josh and I were just binge watching prison break and 
Well, no, we threw that, that was an there. idea. We, it's there's this there's this Justice League story called Tower of Babel where uh, a DC villain finds out that Batman has contingency plans for how to take down all the members of the Justice League in case they turn evil. Uh, Pete and I similarly have contingency plans for if one of us uh, should fall to the wrong side of corporate espionage or something like this. Um, and we have, you know, plans within plans within plans just in case. And Pete and I do have several plans uh, in case someone within our, our corporation is sent to white collar prison. How to get them out. And I mean, it was it, Favreau got into our files somehow. I'm not pointing fingers. I mean, we, we have been pretty cavalier just talking about like hmm. joking around that no prison we can hold joke. us. Yeah. Like how there's no prison that can hold us, you know, especially if you put two, boy, if you, you put two po boys in the same prison. Mm-hmm. All right. We going to run that prison. Well, first we're going to get out. And then we're going to get out. Then we're going to run it. Then we're going to have a podcast about it. Yeah. And then we're going to systematically release (laughs) people that have been wrongly imprisoned. Um, So we've, I mean, we've, we've definitely thought about it before. Um, But yeah, this, you (laughs) cowards cowards comments. Yeah. 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 Um, He said a lot. We finally get Werner Herzog in this episode. Well, we, we get. Briefly. Is he even interviewed? No, he is. Yes, he, he is. He, yeah, he, he is. makes it because I wrote it. in my notes in all caps, "Where is Werner?" And then as soon as I was done writing it, he showed up. And oh, there he is. Oh, that's one of your crossouts. It is now that I've said it. <laughs> Clicking the pen, crossing it out. Um, I I'm more I, I'm more of a zigzag guy. Really? Yeah. Do you do you do li- like if you have an itemized list? Do you tend to zigzag or do you pull, do you pull a little boxing check it? Um, for a checklist. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm like a to-do list. I'm like a, I'm not a psychopath. I have a daily planner and I go through what I have to do with the day. And then I just yeah. check, I just check it off as I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. I have a notebook where I write down. Yeah. I check a uh, little box and check. But you know, I got ink notes, to spare. I got ink to spare right now. So that's why I'm, I'm zigzagging, oh, crossing out. I've got ink for days i can write a short novel of how much ink i've got can and have um, oh crap are we at the number of listeners where i have to write that fanfic oh god um, i say doubt it. it i gotta say oh the number of followers you mean oh phew all right we're at 96 <laughs> yeah we've been there for a while um and we're gonna so, stay there <laughs> so yeah you got the you got the Werner herzog story i was really hoping against hope that video footage of that existed. Um, but you know, the interview with Werner Herzog was interesting. Werner Herzog is a documentarian and gosh, in heaven where they have cuts of all the movies that were never, ever made. Uh-huh. What I wouldn't give for Werner Herzog director of Grizzly man to direct a documentary about the Magnum Mandalorian. He is such an interesting fellow, and I wish I could have heard him talk about Mandalorian more. Um, he really seems to have quite a bit of affection for little Yanni, uh, which is very endearing. But it was it was cool hearing from him a little bit. And, you know, we get that other story where, I don't know, a producer or someone else, and I apologize, I don't know his name or his position, but is talking about, like, he was on set and a little baby Yoda hand ended up on his shoulder or something. And uh, you have all these stories of, of people talking to the puppet and, and really um, anthropomorphizing it. Gina's, Gina said that a couple of times where she's, like, mm-hmm. talking it to little Yanni as if little Yanni is real and she's catching and, herself and, and she continues yeah. to do it. And then, like, Bryce Dallas Howard kept referring to it as baby. Like, there's those clips, that clip of her talking to the children on the set of her episode. You like, oh, isn't baby cool? Isn't baby neat? And, like, that's, you know, my very limited experience on the subject. Well, like, her OBGYNs refer to, like, that's how they talk to moms. Like, okay, mom, how's baby? And, like, oh, really? That's <laughs> It's interesting. Uh, it really does seem to 
yeah, draw the imagination in, in such a way. And it's the same sort of thing that Carl Weathers talks about on the previous episode about how, you know, when they're in the lava tunnel in, in the volume in that, in that, uh, led screened room and everyone's looking at psychoketosis, psychoketostasis, um, just everyone being able to fixate on something and it being able to elicit certain reactions and stuff. Uh, Speaking of Baby Yoda, in in our quarantine episodes, I've talked a lot about art books and making of books and stuff like this. And I recently talked about the Star Wars Rebels art book. I was thinking about that. Thank, yeah, this was yeah. a perfect example. They showed alternate Baby Yoda designs. Yeah, and another another one was like, am I seeing John Favreau as a kid? There's this one, <laughs> I'm like, is that John Favreau as a kid? Because I, I, I definitely thought it was a family photo um you know the one i'm talking about oh boy but yeah we get to see we get to see alternate versions like early versions and sort of the spitballing of okay what would this character look like what are the different versions and like some are a little more ugly some are a little more cute and just all the different ideas that eventually end up at what we know as the child and we see the piece that really solidified it you know the the drawing with them and a little flak jacket or whatever that's like oh this is it keep going down this avenue and that's the sort of stuff i was hoping for from the star wars rebels art book is Uh the development phase and the what could have been and the you know oh this is this is the piece where we really were like this is the avenue we need to go down and it was i mean even in this in this episode it was only like 30 seconds uh, and like four or five images, but it, uh, is really compelling to me and it's very interesting. And so, yeah, when I, when I buy an art book, when I buy an email book, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. And that sort of material to my mind was severely lacking from, uh, the art of Star Wars Rebels. The other really cool thing about it too is Star Wars, and they talk about this in this episode, they love to recycle everything. Mm-hmm. So like New Hope, they recycled things left and right. And they've done that. I mean, a lot of the characters and species that they use are recycled material that they just never use in the original ones. Like um, concept art wise. Yeah. Concept art wise. Like, like um, Zeb from rebels was the original, one of the original designs for Chewbacca. And then they went a different route. So that's the other really cool thing is you get to kind of see like, I'm sure at some point, I don't know when it's going to be, but we'll see some version of that little Yanni concept art in some shape or form. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe when, maybe when they go to, you know, little Yanni's village. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's, that was uh, something that really drew my interest to concept art to begin with was the clone wars makes Takes, takes heavy use of unused concepts art from the masters, from Joe Johnson's, from Ralph McQuarrie's, these guys who defined the look of Star Wars. You know, not everything they drew ended up on screen in the films, but Clone Wars is heavy art. Rebels as well. Um, the Seventh Brother or whatever his name is with the goopy hat, you know, that's that's an unused Kylo Ren concept. Right, 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 right. Uh, all, sorts of, all sorts of cool stuff like that. So... Yeah, it was really cool to see some of the concept art. I would love to see, like, the Razor Crest. You know, it doesn't just come out looking like that. I'm sure there are all kinds of alternate takes on the Razor Crest, and, uh, you know, maybe one day well, we'll see one of those show up in an animated that's series. A nice tra- like that. That's a nice transition to the um, miniatures part of it. With the ship? Yeah, with the ship and how um, they only create the miniatures so they can take them home once everything's said and done. Yeah. <laughs> they talked about that a little bit at the Mandalorian panel at Star Wars Celebration, like the setting up, setting up the camera in the garage with the miniature and, and doing passes like that. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. It's um, definitely cool to see that that's kind of, that kind of movie making, like the person that was responsible for, pod racing he was on that round table and he said it's just not um he had glasses i forget what his name was he was in the round table um Mm -hmm. he was saying how people don't do it anymore because it's just too expensive 
And yeah. that, that was very interesting to me is it's cheaper to render all that. Yeah. And that, that's something that I think can be taken for granted is on the one hand, I understand how compelling a practical effect can be. And on the one hand, I understand Christopher Nolan's insistence on shooting on film and his, you know, things like this. And when you insist upon those routes, you are barring certain storytellers. You're setting, you're, you're becoming a gatekeeper, you know, to say, Oh, only shooting on film. That film is expensive. Film is a resource, a physical resource that exists in the world that costs money, that takes up space, that requires, you know, real resources within our world to be consumed to create. Um, whereas like, you know, with CG or with green screen, you know, the, there are possibilities for people who would otherwise not get to tell these stories to be able to utilize those technologies at more affordable rates. Not everyone right. can afford to make a practical 25 foot T-Rex, but more people might be able to afford to do CG T-Rex or things like this. So I do, you know, I, I definitely, I enjoy practical effects so, so much. I was thrilled to see them show up in, in episode seven. Um, but there's, I think, uh, a middle ground, which I do think the sequel trilogy has hit pretty well. I think there's a good mix of, of practical and, and um, CG. And everything, just like psychoketostasis, mm-hmm. everything is so seamless, right? Like, I could not tell that the razor crest scenes that were miniature done with miniatures were done with miniatures. Mm-hmm. Like when it's landing or when there's that battle um, with that one bounty hunter that's, you know, trying to um, take it down. It's, it's now that I know I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's really cool how they got that. But I was, I was thinking that it was all done digitally for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. They're doing, they're doing a real good job of uh, meshing it together. Um, really well. Speaking of recycling and all kinds of darn stuff like that, IG-88, famously, uh, the head of IG-88 is from like a beer tap that's in A New Hope. If you look in the Mazalisi Cantina, um, amongst the contraptions behind the bar, you'll see a, a white version of IG-88's head. They talk oh, really? about, yeah, they talk about doing IG-11 in here. And I gotta say, like, hearing the the people behind it talk about like, well, we had K2SO, and well, in K2SO to very much be driven by a performer, but then like IG88 is so rigid, and the way he's built is very angular and stuff. And talking about the thought process that goes into how they bring that character to life and why they did that character with the effects that they did, rather than you know putting someone in a mocap suit or something like that. As someone who is a very very big fan of IG88, it was exciting to me to hear. Uh, the people behind IG-11 really take into consideration that character and discussions like that are stuff that, you know, it makes me more confident in putting thought into what's being presented to me. Like when I hear people discussing like, this is, this is the thought and the effort we put into bringing IG-11 to life. And the Mm -hmm. fact that they're able to put that effort and that thought into doing something like that makes me more inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt when I'm interacting with something in the final product that maybe snags me or maybe, you know, gives me pause. I'm more likely to stop and say, well, wait, this was done for a reason. What is that reason? And to, to think about it rather than, I don't know, sometimes, you know, I, I buck up against something in a story and I'm just like, nope, it's dumb. I'm not going to give it the time of day. It's not worth my thought. But when you hear stuff like these guys discussing, you know, how they brought IG-11 to light, it, it makes me more, uh, it makes me quicker to give them the time of day intellectually and be like, just because I didn't like this thing at first doesn't mean it was something stupid. Maybe they, you know, thought, thought a little bit about it. It's not the same, let's put it, it's not the feeling I got uh, watching J.J. Abrams look at daggers for episode nine. I have not seen that, so um, I'll take you your word for it. You can watch it. Skywalker Legacy. Uh, it's on Disney+. Plus. Not to put that down, but I just, you know, 
I feel like there's what? some stuff that I'm more willing to to give the intellectual time of day than others, and discussions like that are the the, the sort of thing that foster that kind of loyalty in me. I really enjoyed how when they were making um, the IG unit and it was so rigid, they had not intended for it for to be that, but then they're like, oh, this actually works. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ju- them just adapting to that situation of, oh, this looks good. You know, we didn't intend for this to happen, but it's a happy accident. Yeah. 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 You can't uh, underestimate those sorts of things in filmmaking for sure. There's... So- Uh, I was going to wait for uh, you. <laughs> yeah, so um, the next thing I want to talk about is Queel, um, who I... Yes. Um, we get to see um, the, actor, the actor that goes into Queel. Missy Rosas, at long last, getting credit where credit is due. Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte. Okay, great. He sounds like Nick Nolte. Finally giving some credit to the performer behind Queel, Missy Rosas, who did a great and, job. They do a great job of, you know, propping her up for mm-hmm. sure. And just yeah, I mean, the lion's share of the effort in bringing that character to life is her. Yeah. I mean, the voice, like, you know, Nick Nolte does a good job. Absolutely. But, but you don't really... The, they talk about this so many times of how they have to film these all these different characters that don't show facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And the angles that they do with that. And she does the same thing too. Like, sure, the, you know, Ugnaught speaks, but it's her body movements that right. are kind of making you care more. And mm-hmm. just her being able to live into the situation and be able to see the, you know, little Yanni and be like, this is what everybody cares about so much. Or even writing the do, is it do backs? No, blurbs. No, the blurbs. Blurbs, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I was surprised they didn't talk about the blurbs at all during the practical discussion. Because uh, they show a lot of clips of them being like just the back of the blurb that they ride on kind of a rig. Uh, but I, I think yeah, it's crazy I really enjoyed, that they, they actually ride those things. Yeah, I really enjoyed them, you know, giving uh, Missy Rose's the credit she deserves for her part in bringing that character to life. And I also just like the through line of this series in general. You know, we talked we talked about a little bit when they talked about the stunt doubles for Mando and the idea that so many of the characters within the Star Wars universe are uh, the product of collaboration. And it's like a team sport. You know, and right. Quill is very much a team sport. There's puppeteers working face and there's Missy Rosas in the costume. There's Nick Nolte doing the voice. And that, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's cool. I wasn't a sporto growing up. You know, as a swimmer, was my own sport, which is technically a team sport. But you know, you you swim alone. Um, but hopefully, I don't know. I was I was always brought. Uh, uh, I re- I've always been compelled by the kind of the team aspect of filmmaking and stuff like that. And so, any of these sort of characters that are brought to life by a whole team uh, is always very compelling to me. And then I think it also just speaks to as uh, someone who, at this point, I mean. Clone Wars is my Star Wars man, and everything in Clone Wars is a collaboration. I mean, Ahsoka is the product of you know, there's voice actors, but there's animators. Well, there's concept they design, also, you know. I mean, that's Dave too. Like, voice acting is not in itself a team thing, right? Like, so many people right. can just record from wherever they are, and some people do for sure. Like, um, mm-hmm. um, us us for example when we record stuff like the different aliens and stuff like um which is obviously the the the, um the havapor which is just what we did right there um they 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 make it um a collaborative effort and the thing that i really enjoyed watching that was them talking about how they took direction from the director and they were mm-hmm. included in what the director wanted the puppet to be doing. And it's yeah. not just this kind of um, situation where they're only talking to the, the actors. They're also talking to the puppeteers to make sure that they see where the eyes are going at and where 
the mm-hmm. face is going out. Like when they showed that scene of little Yanni force pushing the fire, like right. That was really, and really Dave's good. He's like talking about all the emotion that goes into it or whatever. Or like he's thinking about everything he loves. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just look at the breakdown of all the puppeteers that go into the child. You know, they have that segment where they're like, I'm so-and-so and I do this and I do this. I do the eyes. I do the arms. Crazy. The, the, the thing that I was really curious about is it looks like nobody's really moved past the drone like the paper airplane controller because it looks oh, like yeah. they just have the, the yeah paper. like a remote control airplane yeah. yeah remote remote control airplane on that i really wish that they had shown the scene where um kara and mando are wrestling and then little yanni chokes her out oh yeah yeah because yeah. that's where you see that the, it, that's where you see the ill intent mm-hmm. of little yanni and mm-hmm. You know, little Yanni wanting to protect his dad. Um, that yeah. that's what I would have liked to see is because we see him we see little Yanni like express things through the eyes, but they don't that's the one that was the most like, oh wow, you know, this is practical. Is this something that was CGI? Because they said they did CGI and practical for almost everything. And it very interestingly said that in doing the CGI, they wouldn't let the CGI model do anything the puppet couldn't. Could do, yeah. So, that's curious. There is a point in talking about the child where John Favreau, I forget how he relates it to the child, but he talks about some VR project that he was involved in called the Gnomes and Goblins. Was like helpful in developing the eyes, yeah. Baby Yanni. And they show a little clip of gnomes and goblins. It's really bad. Hey, Johnny, if I got news for you, you just like straight up ripped off Yoda. Yeah. The footage they show is just Yoda. Like you just took Yoda and kind of made him a house elf a little bit. Like you should be in jail. Um, and we also never know what John Favreau's contract is, you know, mm-hmm. it could be a, a situation where he is, he has been prosecuted, but he has to serve his sentence as being a showrunner for the Mandalorian, but mm-hmm. there is no justice in this world. And I'm sure that John Favreau mm-hmm. is profit profiteering from this, like nobody's business. Yeah, while we're on the subject, we have this sequence in this episode where some behind-the-scenes footage of Johnny F. picking up the big minigun. Be like, oh, oh, you better pretend it's twice the weight. Oh, look how strong I am. And look, we have an good authority that that minigun was attached to wires and that there were people in the rafters lifting the minigun up and he just put his hands on it and pretended to lift it up. He's actually not that strong. The minigun is actually not even that heavy, but he needed wires even to pick up that thing, even though it wasn't even that heavy. And we're way stronger than him. And as big as our muscles are, our brain is even bigger and we're smart and funny and charming. And we can lift so much weight. We, we can lift so <sighs> much weight and it's... I mean, it's just kind of sick sometimes. He used CGI for the documentary, and mm-hmm. the guys that were working on it, you know, they they knew it, it was not right that they were putting CGI, but he controls their job, so they, you know, just did a yeah. really good job at making it seem like he's lifting that with no um, effort whatsoever. Yeah, I feel for them. I mean, I get it. You know, they're in between a rock and a hard place. They have families to feed. I'm not going to knock them. You know, they are they perpetuating evil? Yes. I think so. I get it. They got families to feed. A lot of, you know, staring and smiling shots in this episode still. We got, you know, got the dramatic music. They got there. Somebody's talking. We're going to put the camera on somebody else, and they are going to be smiling and watching them talk. Hate it or whatever. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And that's my last note on this episode. Yeah, so um, we'll have to see how this comes out um, with our with our first ever hashtag right. Zoom boys. Sure. Um, I really hope that we don't have to record this again. 
Um, yeah, me too. I crossed out all my notes. I mean, I'm only going to do cross them out twice. Um, I guess I'll zigzag them. Just remember them from based on based off your memory. Um, a big memory and a very big memory. So I have the biggest memory. Um, <laughs> if you want to get a hold of us, poboyspodcast at gmail.com. At Poboy's Podcast. Hey, we have four more followers. Pete will finally get to release the fan fiction. He's been channeling the bit to release. Bye. <laughs> Did you say anything else? <laughs>